0: There was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee is to get us back to that point, all right? Let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders. He said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. What did they say? That's what she said. When you think about running through the T at Dayland Stadium for first time this Saturday, take give you a little bit of chicken skin? A little bit of what? A chicken skin,
1: you know. You know what I'm making reference to when I say chicken skin? You're a Southern Man. boy. You got
0: no idea. Dobbs heaves it. They're bunched up in the end zone. It's tipped up. It's caught. It is caught. Jawan
1: Jennings. Jawan jennings good morning afternoon evening brunch time lunch time sun shining for a few days in a row time spring break time cold spring break time but spring break time nonetheless march madness time spring practice time spring camp time Do you say spring practice or spring camp time? I say spring camp, but whatever you say is fine with me time, whatever time of day it is. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker, Ryan Callahan coming to you from Fort Rucker studio here on a Wednesday afternoon, a sunny, crisp Wednesday afternoon, I suppose you could say, from the Fort Rucker sunroom. I keep saying that we are going to move this thing back up to the studio at some point, and we are, because, well, here's the deal. I'm having a discussion with the construction crew on whether the project is done at this point, because I think they're under the impression that it is, and I'm of the impression that my dad's a contractor. I know a done site when I've seen one, and this ain't done yet. So we are working on a couple of things like that, so I don't want to move all the uh, expensive equipment back up there until we know everything is done. But good news, floors are down, ceilings are done. Everything's installed, even brand new toilets, brand new thrones here in, uh, in in Fort Rucker. But we are coming to you from the sunroom, and as Ramy would say, since the sun is out, it actually is the sunroom today. Yeah. Going to record this on a Wednesday afternoon. Going to drop it to you maybe on a Friday morning. Haven't decided just yet. Uh, I don't think any big news is going to break over spring break, and we normally do a Friday morning football podcast, so yeah. we might stick to that plan. Uh, But we might bump it up if Ramey and I decide to do a hoops one to take the travel podcast equipment on the road to Columbus, where he and I will be heading here in just a couple of hours.
0: March March Madness travel logistics, complicating things here for maybe a couple weeks. We'll see.
1: Yeah, we're going to be traveling up to Columbus, Ohio, as I like to call Ohio, sort of the Eastern Europe of America, (laughs) uh, where the sun never shines. There's a lot of shadiness. And uh, it just kind of sucks. I know that some of you are probably loyal tennessee fans from the state of ohio and you're thinking hey hey don't crap on my state
0: we know of at least one on the go balls 24 7 checkerboard It's
1: true also bob kessling from the state of right. ohio yeah and i have family up there so it's like i have family up there so i can make that
0: comment i think but, but but every time i go there yeah the sun's never out
1: sun never shines in ohio in the in the winter although it is warmer than kentucky i think Statistically speaking, it's warmer than Lexington, Kentucky, which doesn't make sense. But if you've been around the SEC long enough, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, We are going to be talking about football today on this podcast. This is the football podcast, obviously here with Ryan Callahan. But talk a little football, talk a little recruiting. But I do want to mention one or two quick basketball notes before we get going today, just in case. Uh, Because I'm not sure, scheduling-wise, what we're going to be doing here. Do want to throw major congratulations, major kudos out to the one and only sweater vest himself, Darth Sweater Vest, Rick Bird, at Belmont, uh, East Tennessee native, Knoxville area native. Uh, Been coaching at Belmont for more than 30 years now. Done an unbelievable job. Uh, His 804th career win was his first NCAA tournament win. So congratulations to the Bruins a nice nice performance there against Temple, a pretty decent Temple team. So they are going to move on and advance and play Maryland uh, in the NCAA tournament first round. And that
0: seems like a winnable game for them.
1: It is. I think a lot of people have them advancing. Yeah. And I'll tell you with their big man back, uh, he's able to, you know, he Belmont is just I don't know any other way to put it, so I'm just going to say it. They are like a incredibly uh, white basketball team with a lot of uh, fundamental guys. They got the one yep. big guy in the middle who he can uh, score with either hands, got hook shots from either hand. He's really crafty. And you, you need to kind of double team him because of all his post moves. And then they've, they've surrounded him with four shooters. So you either have to double team him uh, and give up a, maybe an open three-pointer or you got to go one-on-one with him and he's going to score. Mm-hmm. Rick Bird's a brilliant basketball coach. One of the most beautiful offenses in the country. They put up a ton of points for a reason. And congratulations to them moving forward. We'll also have plenty uh, of Tennessee basketball stuff to talk about. I think Ramy and I are probably going to try to take the travel pod equipment up to Columbus. That means maybe the quality won't be quite as high. So normally we're, we're crap quality and we'll be a little little less than crap uh, from those yeah. podcasts from from an audio standpoint but we will we will bring those to you. We will try to uh, to bring you updates from up there because obviously this is a, a big big deal uh, for Tennessee basketball. Uh, this is the I guess tied for the highest seed in program history. Was yeah. going to be a one until they ran into the team that they just for whatever reason cannot beat the Auburn Tigers, Bruce Pearl's boys. They uh, went out there and uh, pretty much laid an egg on Sunday. I think we can all call that what it was. That's uh, the benefit of covering a mature team is that you can sit there and have conversations with them and say, what the hell was that? And they will, uh, one, not be offended by it, and two, they will be like, yeah, we don't know either. So, you yeah. know, that that's uh, – it was a tough way to end a season in, in a, or an SEC season because, you know, I think when you look at it historically, um, this might be the best team in Tennessee history, but there's an asterisk on that because right now – this team, despite being the best team in the Southeastern Conference the past two seasons, when you look at the past two seasons overall, nobody's got a better win-loss record than them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this year, they are kings without crowns. They have they do not have a championship of any kind to this point. They lost in the NIT uh, season tip-off final to Kansas. They lost by one game in the SEC regular season standings, and they lost the SEC tournament championship game. So uh, this team, I still believe, has championship DNA, but it has to go out there uh, and prove that. So... Uh, we will have coverage from Columbus, tons of it. We'll be up there from the very first press conference till the the last ball bounces up there. And uh, if Tennessee goes according to plan there and beats uh, Colgate and then either Cincinnati or Iowa, we will be back on the road the next weekend to Louisville to cover tennessee against either uh, i'm guessing old dominion purdue or villanova and then possibly virginia in the battle for the final four so lots of stuff to talk about there we will get to all of that before we go into football ryan anything from basketball caught your fancy i I sometimes forget to ask you and pat this because you know y'all have both covered basketball a lot in your careers too and you you see the programs you watch the games What, what what are your thoughts
0: yeah, well, uh, obviously, it's just interesting that Tennessee remains allergic to winning the SEC tournament. I mean, this is back-to-back years, what, three times in the last decade or so that they've lost the SEC ch- tournament championship game. Um, Twice as favorites. Yeah, and and that's it's odd that they've had the had the bracket kind of fall their way or get over the hump in a game they needed to win, like the, the Kentucky game in the semifinals, a, a game that is one of the better games you'll ever see in college yeah. basketball. So well played. And and for Tennessee to pull that out and then just have nothing poorly the,
1: officiated, but very well played.
0: Yes, yes, and um, and for that to, to play out the way it did, obviously, it's a letdown for Tennessee. You you would you've got to think there's another there's plenty left in the tank for this team though. The way they ended the regular season, the way they ended the the SEC tournament, motivation's gonna be there, and they obviously know this is where the season's gonna be made or broken uh, with what they do over the next few weeks. But yeah, I I don't really no,
1: no more three games in three days.
0: Yeah, and. and I don't know. They're I can't figure out this this Tennessee team now. Like, if, if you had started the NCAA tournament two months ago, I felt like I would have had a pretty good feel for what was going to happen. If you'd started a month ago, I probably would have had a, a good feel, but it might not have been as positive for, for, for Tennessee for what might happen. Now that they've kind of gone back and forth, I don't. I could see them going out first weekend in the second round. I could see them making it to the yeah, national they're playing, title game. They're playing
1: a road game in their second game, yeah.
0: probably. And and Cincinnati, you don't know what to make of them either because they go out and beat a. a Houston team that had two losses. Although, I will
1: say, I was talking to Jeff Goodman the other day, and he said that he thinks that there's all this hype about Cincinnati maybe beating Tennessee in round two. He thinks
0: Iowa will beat Cincinnati I, in round one. And say i say a lot of people are counting like, out Iowa for some reason, a 7-10 been, game. I
1: think yeah, they've, been, they've I think lost four of their past six. They, they've been struggling a little bit, kind yeah. of backing into things. Uh, though I, I did cover their coach back in the old SoCon days, so it'd be nice to see that guy again. Also, it'd be nice to see Colgate Sports Information Director John Painter, the one and only former yeah. Tennessee football Sports Information Director John Painter. Uh, I know he's still around the area here a, a good bit, and he's uh, very well connected to both programs. So it'll be good to see John, one of the very nice, mm-hmm. nice people, one of the very good people in this business. Good dude. So uh, it, it will be it will be interesting because, and I'll say this before we move on to football. Here's the one thing. When I look across the college basketball landscape all year, I've said this one same thing. There is only one team out there in the country that, if it plays its best, is a potentially historically really, really, really good team, and that is Duke. If Duke plays as it could, it should, and stays healthy, and all those guys are kind of clicking, you've got a generational talent there in Zion, that is a potentially historically really, really good to to great team. Uh, But beyond that, I see no historically great teams. I see some really good teams, but I, I don't I don't see a lot of ooh, they're just scary yeah. teams. And so, listen, guys, that means Tennessee's one of the top teams in this tournament for a reason. Tennessee has mm-hmm. a chance, get some luck, get some three balls hitting again, get Lamonte Turner hitting, and you know, uh, just just get Admiral Schofield getting over whatever it was that was wrong with him in the Auburn game. Yeah and uh, keep guys like Kyle Alexander and, and Grant Williams out of foul trouble. Things go right. This team is, is right there and can beat anybody in the country, even that Duke team, in my opinion. So yeah. uh, I, I think that's the exciting thing about it. That's also the nerve-wracking thing because there's a lot of parity in this field, and, you know, anything could happen. We've seen Loyola go to a Final Four. We've seen, you know, George Mason go to a Final Four. This is sort of a parity-driven era of college basketball. But, but Tennessee, right there in the mix.
0: The, the one thing that I, I'll be really interested in seeing, and I think we'll find out one way or another pretty soon, uh, because they're obviously playing Colgate, a team that likes to shoot threes, and they, they potentially have a matchup in the Sweet 16 with Villanova, a team that plays a lot like Auburn, you know, spreads mm-hmm. it around with guards and uh, jacks up threes all day. So is is the problem with what Auburn presented just the way they play, or is it Auburn's team in particular? And, and or did Tennessee just catch them on a couple bad days, you know, especially one? One was a close game that could have gone either way on the road. I don't fault them as much for that one, but the no-show in Nashville, obviously. Well, and obviously. there
1: was the goaltending call. There was some some, yeah. some interesting things in that game.
0: And, and obviously, Tennessee hasn't defended the three well all year, but part of that's because they do such a good job of, def, you know, defending penetration and forcing you to take outside shots, and they, yes. sort, of, they sort of bring that on themselves, so... When faced with a team like that in the NCAA tournament, can they answer that, or can, or is that just a matchup problem for this team? Uh, that that's going to be a big question they may have to answer at some point.
1: Yeah, the, the last thing I'll say, I know I said this once before, but this you brought up a point that I'll I think is a good point, and I don't really like the perfect storm analogy. I've never liked the perfect storm analogy. I think that. You know, sometimes things do go against you and sometimes you do just have a bad matchup. But in, in general, I think there's always something you can do about a situation to to make it better. With that said, uh, I do almost kind of think Auburn is a perfect storm for Tennessee because Auburn spreads the field and shoots threes. Uh, and and that, that's always going to spread the court. And that's always going to cause some problems for anybody because they, mm-hmm. I mean, my God, that shot 40 in, in a 40-minute game. It's unbelievable. But it's not just that. It's the fact that, Auburn has something else that Colgate doesn't have, which is elite athleticism. Yes. And they play a very, very aggressive style on defense where if you're patient with the ball and you make the right moves, you ought to be able to get back cuts and layups and dunks all day. But they're also going to get turnovers because that's just how they play. They overplay passing lanes. They're very aggressive. If you're Tennessee, you've seen this style before because Bruce Pearl did a lot of this same stuff when he was at Tennessee, and it gave a lot of people, including Rick Barnes, Texas Longhorns, some problems. So I think it's something about these two systems. That, and I think it's also a combination of Auburn is going to sell out completely to do a couple things. It's going to sell out to make Grant Williams uncomfortable as much as it can, push him off the post, double him, while also putting a lot of just really, really, really overplaying passing lanes. And any lazy mm-hmm. pass gets stolen, and then when they get in transition, they're deadly from three. They're just... A bad matchup for Tennessee if Tennessee doesn't take care of the ball. If Tennessee takes care of the ball, it's fine. But it hadn't been able to do that. My long story short here is that yes, Colgate has shot the ball better from three than any team in college basketball since uh, February first. Also, Colgate does have one former one top one hundred ish prospect, which Tennessee does not have. Uh, he's a transfer from Northwestern, six ten guy who can shoot threes and do a lot of a lot of little things. He's a good player, averages about sixteen and nine per game. Uh, But Colgate does not have the athleticism Auburn has. So Colgate turns the ball over like 13 times a game, which is going to be a problem against Tennessee because if you give the ball to Jordan Bone and Turner in transition, just put two points on the board because they're going to take it down Mm -hmm. the court and they're going to score. So that's a big problem for Colgate. And and I think Auburn is just a bad matchup. I think if you're Tennessee, you're glad you don't have to see Wofford most likely uh, because that team reminds me a little bit of Auburn just with not quite the same athleticism. Uh, there's a couple other teams that you're kind of happy that you wouldn't necessarily have to see maybe in your bracket. So I, I think that's kind of a one-off deal. Yeah. And it's a shame because that that arena on Sunday was fit for a coronation. It was 90%, probably 90%, no mm-hmm. exaggeration, Tennessee fans in there, and then a few neutrals and a few Auburn fans. Yeah. and uh, Or maybe I'll say 85% Tennessee fans and then like – Auburn and 5% neutrals or something like that. Mm -hmm. I did see one Kentucky fan who told me he went to a store in Nashville to buy an Auburn shirt because he was so angry about the way Saturday's game ended that he was like, I'm not selling my ticket to a Tennessee fan, and I don't really love Bruce Pearl, but I really hate Tennessee right now. Uh, beaten us too many times the past few years, so I'm going to go buy an Auburn shirt and cheer for Auburn tomorrow. That's devotion. That's that's hardcore, and I appreciate that. I'm like, yeah. you know what? Respect. Tip of the cap, like that. Uh, that that New York Yankees fan, uh, gif where the kid tips yes. up sat and says respect. Yeah, I respect that. So. It'll be fun. We'll have a lot to discuss there. It's going to be a fun NCAA tournament, I would imagine. Hopefully, Kyle Alexander doesn't run into a three hundred pounder like he did last year and get his hip knocked out, and then yeah. kind of throw a wrench into everything. Um, even though Tennessee's been playing more of that lineup of death with Grant at the five and, and Admiral at the four. So I was going
0: to say that the only the thing that makes me that, thi- their
1: their Warriors lineup of death basically yeah. is, is that Bowden is, is that Bone Turner Bowden. Mm-hmm and Schofield and Williams no one over the no one taller than six foot seven lots of three-point shooters all that
0: the 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 only thing that makes me think Tennessee is going to need some breaks to make I mean everybody's going to need some breaks to make a final four but um the the thing that makes that that maybe should concern you if you're a Tennessee fan I think this is a team that sort of needs if one thing goes wrong among those top six players it could be the death of them because their bench yep. has been so unreliable. And whether it's Jordan Bone not playing well, Grant Williams sort of disappearing the way he can the way he has a couple of times recently against Kentucky and Auburn. I thought when it,
1: when he when he's spending more time talking to the officials yeah. than he is doing anything else, that's always his biggest problem. Yeah.
0: Or when Admiral Schofield's not on like he wasn't at Kentucky, you know, things like that. If it if Kyle Alexander gets in foul trouble, any one of those things can sort of kill this team. Although if
1: Kentucky Fulky shows up apparently, yeah, uh, you know, Tennessee, that, that will help. So
0: Yep yeah i mean it, it's you know they if one thing goes wrong they need everyone else to play really well to win and that's kind of where yeah. they that's kind of where they are as a team so they absolutely are good enough to beat anybody but they need the stars to sort of align in, in four straight games in a way because they really have to rely on those six players and i don't think you could, i mean they're gonna have to have some contributions in some form or fashion from fulkerson yeah. Pons, walker those guys but I just don't know that you can count on them in big doses. So you, you got to hope those those core six players do their jobs and that's kind of where you are at this point. Yeah,
1: Eve Ponds had sort of hit a wall and then and then he became Face Pons after Fulky accidentally I think broke his face during a, during a practice where he got one of those pointy Fulky elbows in his face. So yeah, there's uh, he, you know, I don't know if he's just toast for the year or what, but but they, if it's Jalen Johnson, because he he'll mm-hmm. he'll step up and shoot threes, they they're they're going to need somebody at some point. There's no way you're going to win a six game yeah. six games without getting something from somebody you don't expect. That's just sort of what history tells you. But we'll have plenty of time to discuss that. We'll keep discussing things moving forward. And here's hey, where, here's I
0: was going to say because of that, oh, no, we we've almost not really talked. I mean, we've talked about it, but it's been kind of in the back seat. Spring footballs happened. You know, we were a third of the way through spring practice, and it's sort of been on the back burner because there's so much excitement about the basketball yeah, team. Yeah,
1: it's interesting, and, and you know, and that's what I was getting ready to say is is that I'm. It's an interesting because because during this time of year, you know, normally more or less, I spend weeks covering, you know, spring football, and then weekends covering wherever po- you know postseason basketball is being played, mm-hmm. and you really have to throw your brain into different gears. Because with basketball, it's so intense right now. Everything is coming down to this. This is a culmination of, you know, a team that the people around here love, and they're and they should love them, and great kids, and they're going to to play a tournament where they could do something historical for this university. You know, they they've averaged whatever twenty thousand plus in attendance this year again. They they've just been all over the place. It's it's been it's been really good stuff. Uh, and then you you throw that into different gear when you try to go cover football because there are some unknowns with this football team and you don't see a ton like you do just most places in the sec. I know Florida's opened it up a little bit this spring, you know, Carolina's done it before, but in general, the sec trend is what it is. We're, we're, you know, they, they're, they're letting us see as little bit as possible. And, and so you're trying to decipher from that sort of where this team is. And you talk to coaches, you talk to players and you're, you do kind of a little bit of gymnastics here mentally trying to figure out where things are. So, uh, as best I can tell, you know, I've seen all but one of the spring camp practices so far, at least the part's open to media. Right now, during spring break, as always, Tennessee is taking a week off. So, what they do is they put in a lot of install stuff. They're heavy on install and then they come back from spring camp or from spring break. They go out there, maybe have one practice where they do a refresher course, and then it's boom on to knocking skulls and figuring out where things are. So they're kind of at the, not at the midway mark. What is it? We decided the third, the 33, thir- the,
0: third of the way, yeah,
1: the, the, the third pole or whatever, yeah. the 30, the 33% pole. If you call it the quarter pole, do you also call it the third pole? I don't know, Yeah, but that's where they are right now. And uh, it's an interesting point because we've been able to see enough to start to form some opinions on some things. And I'll open this up by saying we went into this camp knowing, knowing without any question that the line of scrimmage was going to be the biggest question mark. Mm -hmm. Are there other question marks? Absolutely. There are lots of question marks. When you go five and seven, you don't have many answers. You have more questions than you have answers. Oh, yeah. But I think we all knew that replacing all those guys on the D-line uh, all those three starters who were not maybe all-world players but were good, solid college football, SEC football players. That was going to be an issue. And then with no Trey Smith still, the offensive line, good news returning everybody, bad news you know, maybe returning everybody. So where are they on that side of the ball? And, and I have to tell you, Ryan, this is – and again, you have no problem telling me when you think I'm completely wrong, and I might <laughs> be completely wrong on this. I, in all fairness, I might be completely wrong on this. But I get the sense that to this point in camp anyway, the defensive line is a much bigger concern than the offensive line. With one caveat, both are concerns. But I think the questions on the defensive line are much, much tougher to answer right now. Do you think that's yeah wrong or is that maybe close? Is that undecided? What do you think about that?
0: Uh, undecided to a degree, but no, right now I think you're right because the the thing on the offensive line, there are at least options there. There was competition yeah. there last year. You got a lot of experience coming back. Uh, you know, even guys like Ryan Johnson are, are going to be better players this coming year than they were a year ago. Most
1: improved according to some of the guys yeah. up front
0: um you, you know you've got Brandon Kennedy back a guy who didn't play much last season you've, you're adding Juanye Morris to the mix we'll see you know we're five practices in he's still learning we'll, we'll see over time how much he's going to be able to help athletically looks good though yeah Um uh, and you still don't have Darnell Wright uh on campus and then you've got a, a couple other newcomers you know we haven't seen Chris have yet this spring sidelined mm-hmm. after surgery um you still got Melvin McBride to add to the mix and uh and Jackson Lampley so a lot to still be decided there you've got help on the way at least with those two five stars to to maybe think that you got plenty of answers you got a moving piece like jameer johnson and then you've got a couple talented freshmen that can help you so you've you've at least got answers there
1: and freshmen who even if they aren't quite 100 percent ready to help you at the beginning of the season they could very much when you get to the much more negotiable back part of the seat of the schedule they might be able to go in and step in and help you then Mm -hmm. maybe
0: maybe And, and and i think they're I think there's a real chance they could contribute sooner than that. It's just are especially, they going to be,
1: especially in Wanya's case, yeah. Yeah,
0: and are, are they going to be day one starters? We'll mm-hmm. see. But they've got a they've got a chance to help early. So, uh, yeah, you've got help on the way there, and you've got a lot of options to begin with, or at least at least several options to begin with on the defensive line. I don't think you feel quite as good. And I will say after the news of uh, you know Tate Martell at, at Miami being cleared to play this year, I think you've got to feel pretty good if you're Tennessee about your chances of Aubrey Solomon now being ruled eligible for this year now yeah,
1: they're they waving everybody up in here
0: yeah it's i mean everybody's freaking out oh, it's becoming free agency in college football it's uh, someone throughout i think it's, they're like,
1: they're like ron washington there at the third base coach they're just there's wheeling everybody on yeah. home
0: just go on home but it's it's what three percent or so of college football players are transferring these days it's not a high percentage but yeah it is it is looking more more and more like free like a free-for-all sort of where guys can go from one school to the next and not have to sit out a year And uh, if if that's the case, that's good news for Tennessee because Aubrey Solomon, you know, D'Angelo Gibbs too, but more so Aubrey Solomon is a guy they really could use this year. And and if they don't have him, I think you're looking at a group that needs a couple guys to emerge really badly. And yeah, that, and he
1: steps up, and I don't know whether Solomon would step in and start immediately. Right. Sort of on the nose or off to there to the side. I think maybe off to the side because mm-hmm. you would probably have good in starting on the nose. I, I don't know yeah. that for sure, but it just seems Solomon, to me like he's looked Gooden's more like a the nose.
0: Yeah, Solomon has looked more like a DN so far in the in the three four looks and you maybe, know
1: maybe slide in on on yeah if,
0: downs. in four man fronts. He's going to be yeah he's a three hundred pound or so guy, so he'd be a defensive tackle most of the. Uh, Uh, in four-man fronts which you'll see quite a bit obviously so yeah he's one that helps you but even if he's part of the mix you still got some questions to answer because you've got two junior college guys who aren't here yet Savion Williams and and Darrell Middleton how much of those guys going to help you you know Middleton you hope
1: Savion from day one and then Middleton sometime during the season I was
0: gonna say Middleton's not your classic Juco plug and play guy he's one he's one that's still gonna need some time he's only a year in really playing football again so you've got to get him up to speed still and he's he's developing a lot of potential there he's just maybe not a day one oh gosh tons of potential not, athletically not, yeah all, and that's always been the case with him but you know is he yeah i
1: remember watching him as a 15 year old being like man this kid
0: yeah he's a special athlete and, and he he's he's got all that untapped potential but he's still he's still learning how to play as a as a massive defensive lineman you know he was a, essentially a, a wide receiver in high school a large tight end mm-hmm. who who split out wide at oak ridge uh, in his final year or two of high school so a lot to learn there still. And then Savion Williams, he gets here in the summer. I think he's more ready to play. But even even he, you have to worry a little bit about the fact that he's not here in January like some junior college guys, that he's going to be here only for a couple months like Emmett Gooden was last year. That obviously shows you can play as a as a JUCO player in that situation. You just have but,
1: to hope a JUCO guy because you just always – I don't care who you are, if you're a coach, you are always worried about conditioning with a JUCO guy because yeah. there, there are some high schools – and there are some good coaches at the JUCO level, but there are also – um, the funding is what it is. And mm-hmm. you, some high schools in, 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 places like Texas and Florida and the Atlanta area and stuff like mm-hmm. that, some of those high schools have better, you know, training facilities than some of the JUCOs do. So you never really know what kind of shape a guy's going to be in.
0: Absolutely. And that's, uh, yeah, you've got to figure out you know, how much those guys can contribute. So in the meantime, you're working with what you have on campus and what we see out there and, you know, what we've seen so far, the first five practices, it's, it's a group that needs some work. I mean, that's that's what we kind of thought it would be. But you know, Emmett Gooden is the one you feel like you can count on in that group, and I, th- I think he'll be a better player than he was even last year when he was pretty solid and got better throughout the season.
1: Boy, at times he was really good?
0: Yeah. So so you you've got you got one you can count on there for sure. You know, I think Aubrey Solomon is going to be a, a, an effective player if he's if he's eligible. You're going to feel good about him too. So that's- and there's
1: just there's so much like if a guy like Martel can get eligible, I don't know why yeah. a guy like Solomon. You know, and, and even Gibbs possibly wouldn't be eligible. Right. I mean, it's just they're they're starting that trend
0: now. Yep, and and well, and even with Gibbs' case, everyone's pointing to which justice. I'm
1: all for. Which I'm all for. Yeah. I'm all for that. I'm all for that because I think anything that puts more power in the hands of the student athletes is something I'm a favor of. But yeah, you were talking about the 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 situation with Fields. Probably. Yeah, with,
0: with Justin Fields. Yeah, the the fact that he's been ruled eligible, and then you've got the Tate Martell stuff on top of that. Even that makes you feel probably better about D'Angelo Gibbs. You know, we'll see. Nothing's a sure thing. It's the NCAA, and at some point they're probably going to take a pointlessly firm stance and say. No, this is not going to be free agency. We're not going to rule everyone eligible right away, and so because who, at the
1: end they're humans making decisions on a sliding scale. Yeah,
0: so so who knows what's really going to happen? But yeah, I think you've got to feel better about your chances with both of those guys. Solomon's the one you really need. I think you know Gibbs has shown some promise as a receiver. Well, I think he's still got plenty to learn there, but he's made some nice plays where you think, ah, eh, but. He- Maybe be better yeah. receiver than I thought.
1: As Prince Michael makes his weekly entrance on the podcast yeah. here now, he uh, we, you can't hear him as much upstairs, but you can always hear him down here. Always hear him down in the sunroom. The thinner walls down in the sunroom, yep. but the uh, yeah, I mean, I, from what I've seen from Gibbs, I have seen some spectacular playmaking ability and also a complete uh, like amateurish take on the wide receiver position because he does, he doesn't know it yet, yep. so. Uh, and I don't know if amateurish is the right word, but but you know, novice, just yeah, you know, a, a noob, as you would in, say, an internet inexperienced, yeah, yeah, inexperienced. Yeah, there's a good word. Yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting too, be because you know he's a guy who athletically it just wows you. You can tell he's been mm-hmm. in an SEC strength program for years. He was a great athlete coming out of high school. Uh, he's got all of those tools, but but he also doesn't have quite the the um, just the knowledge of playing the position yet. Sure. And, and what I have heard, in all candor. Is that the more p pe- and this is what you would expect to hear, so it's not surprising. But the more people are on the field, it, it, the more inexperienced he starts to look. Like he looks yeah. more inexperienced in seven on seven than he does in routes on air. He looks more inexperienced in eleven on eleven than he does, you know, in, in against seven on seven. So you know, because because what I've heard is that when it's eleven on eleven, I have heard nothing but absolutely outstanding things about the the shape. Uh, that Jawan Jennings is in right now, mm-hmm. and that he is looking like Jawan again, finally after last year, just battling through everything he battled through, and still
0: is pretty productive. Yeah,
1: d- despite some of it, much of it being his own fault, some of it not just bad luck, but he, he, um, you know, he, he he was battling last year, kind of swimming upstream, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And uh, but but yeah, I mean, bottom line is with 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 Savion, you just don't know what shape he's going to get into, and then you don't know what shape you can get him into in two months, right? So, because that's and, what you have to do,
0: and and you look at those other defensive linemen who have been out there so far this spring. It's it's a collection of major question marks that you're just hoping one emerges. You know, John Mincy's shown potential.
1: I like I like Mincy and Garland down the road. Yeah.
0: And so you've, then you've got, you know, Garland, you know, is how, how quickly can Latrell bump his pickup defensive line after playing tight end last season? He's got potential, but is it's he going to be – He's
1: also small. Yeah,
0: and is he going to be there this year? Uh, and that's still one that they're going to evaluate at some point during the spring and decide whether that's long-term where he's going to stay or if they move him back to tight end. You know, they, they mentioned maybe yeah. halfway through spring evaluating his progress and making a decision for uh, for sure on what they want to do, but there's obviously more of a need on the defensive line if he can help there. Uh, but yeah, you throw all these guys in there. You know, you get Elijah Simmons also this summer, the the big nose tackle from Nashville. Maybe he can help in some form or fashion. My boy,
1: so. my boy. He's my boy. He is my ninja. I have decided. He he. Anyone with that? Anyone who who is that? That that mugshot. Yeah. Or, you know the headshot is it, just it's delicious. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, filling up his head, filling up the entire circle. Um, the fact that he is a pretty good athlete, despite being 350 or whatever he does pounds, he mm-hmm. is. Uh, the fact that he likes to sing on YouTube. There's nothing that I don't love about this kid. So, so he is, without ever having seen him play one down of football in person, he's my guy. He,
0: he's a ninja officially.
1: Uh, yeah, he he his uh, off field. Yeah. um spectacular package off the field mm-hmm. is is making him potentially the rare case of a of a west ninja before I ever see him play normally right. I wait at least a few weeks in practice yeah in this case, I might make an exception because I love everything about this kid. Understandable. So I hope that he is able to do the thing. But, but, but yeah, I mean, I, and, and you didn't even mention a guy like uh, Matthew Butler. Well, I was going to say,
0: yeah, you've got guys like Butler. They've played, but, like, how much can you really count on those guys? So, but
1: and Butler is another kid who's just a lovable kid. He's a really funny kid. He's got great personality. Uh, he's not afraid to be kind of socially active uh, in, in some ways off the – Field, so you can tell he's got a backbone there. He's a smart kid. He's he's got a he's got a brain uh, inside that head of his, uh, and he looks like a million dollars in person. He just fills out his uniform. He's big. He's got muscles. You just look at you're like you should be good. You should be a dude. Yeah. Uh, and then it play starts, and you're like, I don't. You're not doing anything. So uh,
0: he's a guy that may be in the too deep, but yeah. I don't know if you want to count on him as a starter. Like Matthew Butler, major, you're
1: major. Stephen Colbert on notice. It's time for you to have a good off season and turn into a pretty decent player because i still think he has a chance to yeah. do that but may, maybe he won't but it would just be a shame because he just looks like he should be really good on the defensive yeah. line yeah you so know, some guys you just look at him you'd be like oh that's a guy like if you're just going down the lineup i mean you can be honest about this if you're just yeah. walking if you're just watching them in a line there you watch them before they go into practice they have kind of put their their pads on they're going out there mm-hmm. you go oh that's a dude yep that's a dude and and then you play and you're like, no, oh, why why are got younger guys like Mincy and Garland playing better than you when they don't look as cool as you do? So Kingston
0: uh, Harris, another young guy that yeah. moved back to the defensive line, yeah. he he might be a, kind of a sneaky guy to watch that could end up in the two deep if, if things fall his way. You know, we'll we'll see there. But they're basically they've got a, they've got a, a big pile of bodies there, nine or ten guys that they can throw at that defensive line problem. But at the end of the day, they still need four or five to emerge as dependable players, yeah. and I don't think they have that yet. So that's why I think so far, just early on in spring, based on Jeremy Pruitt's reaction, the time he's spending with the defensive line, I think you can always tell where Pruitt, where his concerns lie by watching 100. where he goes on the practice field. And he spent some time already with the defensive line. He never did that last season. I, I, don't, I rarely remember him seeing seeing him with the defensive line last year. We saw him with the offense toward the end of the year. Yeah, we did. You saw him with the defensive backs. I don't remember seeing him with the defensive line much. So the fact that he's already spending some time there tells you he's worried about that group. He needs them to step forward to feel better about this defense. If your secondary and your linebackers are playing well, sometimes it doesn't matter a whole lot if your defensive line isn't very good. So they need that group to take some big steps. and, And so far, you'd have to say that's probably the biggest concern about this team a third of the way through spring practice.
1: Yeah, and and we can say this, too, in in all candor. You know, the way that Tennessee's defense is lined up to play now, I don't don't think that you can say it's just a 3-4 or it's just a 4-3. It's a hybrid. But, you know, they like to do some of that three-down stuff. And when they do that, you don't necessarily have to be great on the defensive line. You just cannot be bad. You cannot be bad. If you can be good enough – to do what Shai Tuttle was able to do, just sit there in that gap, hold that line, well, the- hold your guy up. You know, if you can do that, if you can hold up, if you if you can get a guy in the middle, if Gooden can hold up two gaps, yep, if he can do that, and they can get just enough, just enough pressure from the other guys, if they can just kind of hold their gaps, occasionally wiggle through there and make a play, but if they can just hold up up front, they don't have to be great. And I and I think I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say they're not gonna be great. Yeah. That's just I don't think that's possible with this group in this particular season. I think down the road, they could be better. Mm-hmm. But unless Williams comes in like gangbusters and Gooden becomes a stud...
0: And Solomon's eligible. Know, and Solomon's to
1: eligible. Like the, so many, too many things have to come together for me to say they're going to be great up front. What they can be is okay. And if they can be okay, mm-hmm. then they can just... If they can be okay up front and pretty good everywhere else between that and the coaching acumen that this staff has on the defensive side of the ball they can hold up there they yeah. can be okay now that doesn't mean like I think Bama could expose them you know Georgia could expose them the good teams could still expose the hell out of them and they could they could cause all kinds of problems for them mm-hmm. but I think if they're just okay up front they don't they don't need to be great they just they need to be okay if they can do that I think that's where the bar needs to be set maybe not internally you don't want to tell the guys that yeah but I think if you're a coach right now of this team in your own head you're thinking Let's be reasonable here. Let's just get these guys okay.
0: Yeah. And this is where this is where you need Tracy Rocker to earn his money. You know, he's a veteran defensive line coach. If anybody can get the most out of that group, lots like, of guys in the league. Yeah, you'd like to think he can do it. And if he can make that a serviceable group this year, that that could be the difference between six and eight wins. You know, you've yeah. you've you've got to find a way to be, like you said, at least okay at that position to give yourself a chance to be better defensively. At the positions where you have a chance to take a step forward, you know at cornerback you've got some talent. Nigel Warriors a, se- a senior at safety. You've got some interesting pieces at linebacker. Daryl Taylor's a good edge rusher. Yeah. You've got some pieces around them, but to be who's going to
1: be who's going to be motivated to make money this year?
0: Yeah. So, to, but for those guys to be good, you need the defensive line to do its job, like you're saying, hold hold up those gaps and 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 allow those guys to roam free and make plays. So and get some pressure, uh, in in such certain situations at least.
1: And you know that Tracy Rocker is going to be hard on them. Oh yeah. Because he is incredibly frank with those guys throughout practice. He lets them know uh, that's not good enough. And he 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 says it in a much more direct manner than that's not good enough. Oh, yeah. he, he gets the point across. He can speak the language. This guy was a tremendous player, mm-hmm. uh, one of the better D linemen in SEC history. This guy was a stud. He knows the game. He knows how to coach. He can get after He Maybe he maybe he's not recruiting quite as dynamically as he was a few years ago, yeah. but, but he is still – a really good defensive line coach. And right now they've also got Pruitt helping them out there, and he's a great position coach uh, anywhere on the defense. So I think they've got a chance there. On, on the offensive line, I think there are still questions, and I think they're being masked a little bit by all the concerns on the defensive line. Yeah. Um, because, you know, they, they still they don't have the numbers right now on the O-line that they're going to have in the summer and going forward, which is good for the guys who are there because it means more reps. But – uh, they just still don't have – and they have more than they had last spring. Last spring they didn't have anybody. Mm-hmm. But they still have, I think, some questions at tackle. I think we all know that. Last year you could tell when Trey Smith was being thrown out there with his situation, and I don't mean his 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 uh, blood clots. I mean, you know, the fact that he missed an entire offseason and then he hurt his knee in the first very first game of the season and they were still putting him out there at tackle. That mm-hmm. let you know what their concerns were at the tackle position. Uh, So maybe they slide Jameer Johnson out there. Maybe some of those young guys step in. Because I still think they're okay. I think in the guard box, I I think they can be fine there. I don't know. know, Maybe they won't be great. But I think in the guard box, they can be okay. I think if Kennedy can come back and be healthy, that gives them another body there. Uh, I think Ryan Johnson is still maybe a better guard than a center. uh, But he's a guy who... You know, his, by all accounts, had a really good past three or four months and is a guy who's out there doing some good things right now in camp. Uh, he's obviously the, – if the, if the offense is kicking the defense's tail and they're running the ball pretty well and they're throwing the ball pretty well, I think you have to give the center some credit for that because he's the guy diagnosing plays. He's yeah. the guy that that is holding up. He's the guy who's not just letting people missing blocks and having guys run right by him like they did last year. So I think they're okay in the guard box. I think the tackle – Spots are where there's more concern. Um, And I think that's natural. I mean, credit a guy like Tatum for putting on weight. He's finally cracked the 300 pound club. Uh, Maybe he's a guy who can physically hold up better now, Um, but maybe they need those freshmen to step in. You know, I still like Jameer Johnson's potential there at tackle. Um, I I think he's still, he's always going to be a little undersized, but I think that's okay in this day and age. He can, he's just, he he, he knows how to play the game. And and where he's tough.
0: And where he is is such a wild card for this offensive line. If he plays tackle, Suddenly, when you know, where does Wanye Morris fit into things? Does yep. he play guard? Does he shift over to right tackle to try to compete there? You know that that's an interesting situation to watch. Yes, yes it is. You know, Jameer Johnson's gonna be starting somewhere, or we feel pretty good that he's going to be starting somewhere. So you it gives you some options, but at the same time, it, it maybe impacts the situation for some other players. You know, it makes, uh, you know, makes an maybe an easier easier path for a guy like Jerome Carvin or someone else to play their way into the lineup if Jameer Johnson is at tackle instead of guard.
1: There is a lot more talent on that second-team O-line than there mm-hmm. was this time last year. Yeah. Now, is it, If it's good enough, that's another topic for another day. But just in terms of have they taken this roster and beefed it up and improved it in the past year, and you just look at some of the names and faces on that second-team O-line and you go – yeah, that's better. Yeah, there's no, you don't see a lot of walk-ons there anymore. You no offense. I mean, you don't you, you see some more talent there. But you're right. I mean, wherever Jameer plays, uh, wherever Jameer Johnson lines up, that that's that that's a wild card completely for this group because it's almost like the Trey Smith wild card was last year. Like wherever you put him, completely changes the way that that front five looks.
0: Well, is there a scenario? You know, you mentioned Ryan Johnson being improved. Brandon Kennedy presumably is the front runner at center, so these. I are, still think so. So yeah. the kinds of questions you have to answer are
1: Pruitt Pruitt like, likes him a lot.
0: So one of the things you got to ask is is Ryan Johnson potentially going to challenge for that left guard spot if Jameer Johnson plays left tackle? You know, those are the kinds of questions that come into play based on where Jameer Johnson plays. If he doesn't, if he plays left guard, then obviously there's a competition at left tackle with Wanye Morris and whoever else is in the mix there. You know, Nathan Nehaus on the other hand, he seems to be one of the early front runners at right tackle, and that. <laughs>
1: Pruitt has always liked him, and I think he was last toward the end of last year. You really started to see it, and I heard from a couple of people on the staff. I even talked to Pruitt about it a couple of times. He likes Niehaus's kind of potential. He's a guy who, I don't know if Pruitt would have recruited him out of high school because he had so far to go physically. Mm-hmm. And, and Pruitt's already said if you if you recruit a two hundred sixty pound offensive lineman or two hundred sixty five pound offensive lineman, you're probably looking at three years realistically before he's ready to play, unless he's just a, a freak. So. You know that he has that going for him. Um, maybe he wouldn't have been a guy that that Pruitt would have recruited at the beginning, but he's a guy who now three or four years into the program might be ready to play. And he he's got some toughness to him, just like it seems like a lot of those Cincinnati like Ohio area mm-hmm. offensive linemen do. He's got good good grit to him. So I, I I think that's interesting. And and in talking to Pruitt, I can tell you that his mindset about this group without question is I don't want to know who's the best at each position. I wanna know who my five, six, seven, and eight best offensive linemen are. He said that that's all I he said, the biggest thing I care about. He goes, sure. You know, maybe once you figure out those guys, of course, then you gotta figure out the combination who works well with who, who has a rapport with who, you know, all the all those kinds of things. You know, do you have a special situation like, you know, Fulton and, and Juwan James were, where they were just inseparable. They're on the right side and they were kind of linked, you know telepathically about knowing knowing where the other one was going to go but I think his and I know his main thought process here is I want to exit spring practice I want to know who are my best five, who are my best six, who are my best seven who are my best eight and I want to have them in order and then I can figure out where I'm gonna put them because he he seems to believe that O line is O line and then if you can play guard you can play tackle if you can play guard you can play center. He thinks that you ought to be able to, to figure out how to play the different positions. He wants to know who my best five blockers are, who my best five protectors, my best five run mashers. That's what he wants to know. And I think that's a that's a pretty valid way to look at it because guys are going to go down during the season. Things happen. Guys get rolled up on. Happens every week. You got to be ready. And I think a good situation for this group would be exiting spring practice, knowing that you don't have to just give Darnell Wright a spot when he comes on campus. If, you, if this group can get to a spot where, and the coaches would never say this, but they would think this, if they can be in a spot where they don't have to just give Darnell Wright a spot when he comes on campus, that's a good thing because they want him to have to earn it. They want him to have to, to, to prove that he's better than the other guys, not that well everybody sucks so we're going to put the young talented guy there and let him figure it out and that's That's what you don't want to be yeah
0: and that's always the best situation for for everyone involved it's better for your offensive line obviously if you can have that luxury it's better for the young player to be having to push his way into the lineup you know you don't want want, you don't
1: want entitlement there
0: yeah and and yeah it's not going to make him the best player he can be if he feels like he's stepping in as a day one starter you know when he arrives on campus so that's yeah, that I, I've always thought you don't – I mean, for obvious reasons, I don't think it's ideal for Tennessee to start two true freshman tackles anyway because those guys are going to get beat a lot. That's just how it's going to be, and you've got a quarterback that took a lot of shots last year. You want to keep him healthy and keep him on the field. Uh, the way you do that is making sure he's at least got some reliable tackles to yes. give him a, sh- a chance, and you need one of those guys at least to be a veteran ideally.
1: Yeah, because I think there are very few players who are great organically – I think most great players come from a competition of two good players, and I think most good players come from a com- from from a competition of two solid players, and, and I think a solid player comes from sort of a competition between two um, two kind of you know suboptimal players. I mean, I think competition is what gets all of these guys to be the best they need to be. Some guys like a Trey Smith are different. They walk in physically, they're just ready. And and maybe, maybe Wanye will prove to be that kind of guy. But most guys, and maybe Darnell Wright will be that kind of Mm -hmm. guy. But, but usually you have to sort of, you, you, you kind of have to nurture those competitions. They don't, they they don't, you have to have the, the talent to begin with. But I think you don't improve as a player unless you're being pushed every day, unless you're just a rare freak. So, yeah, I think that's the important thing. Now, we will, before we get out of here, we need to talk about a couple of things that are not on the line of scrimmage, although that is still by far, by far the biggest question marks on this team. Uh, I do think we can still see overall that things on the offense are looking pretty good. Uh, they don't have a, they don't necessarily have a big bruising back who's ready to roll just like Pruitt wants, but they, they've they got enough backs there that I think they feel like they're okay in that spot. Um, and that's without Gray, who hasn't been able to do anything so far. So... Um, they're they're okay there. I feel like they like what they've got at wide receiver. Um, next year is going to be a huge year for those guys because they're losing all these seniors this yeah. year. But they need to develop those guys during this year. Well, I was gonna say- they're going to need some of them this year. But I mean, I'm saying you know for the most part with those seniors, what you're going to get.
0: Yeah, and, and those receivers. You know, we, we've heard of the offense being off to a pretty good start. I, I think that's that's interesting for a couple of reasons. One, I, I thought that group might take some time to sort of settle into a new system under Jim Chaney. But
1: yeah, because defense is a new coordinator, same system. Yeah, Offense is new coordinator, new system. Yeah,
0: and at least some noticeable differences there. So the fact that they've picked up and, and run with this pretty smoothly, that's a good sign, obviously, but also maybe just a sign of how veteran this group is because Jarrett Garantano, Marquez Callaway, Juwan Jennings, Brandon Johnson... Even Josh Palmer, those Yoke, guys played a lot of football. Yogi Garantano, Yogi yeah. Garantano, he's gotten bigger. All those guys have played a lot of football. You've got Dominic Wood Anderson, who looks pretty motivated to have a good year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, trying to, to get paid, trying to earn a paycheck. So, um, yeah, you you got a lot of a lot of reasons to feel pretty good about that group at the skill positions. You know, Ty Chandler going into his junior year off of, of a pretty good first couple of years. A lot of things going well around that group. Again, it's all about the offensive line, but not. In a way, surprising, but in a way, maybe not that that offense overall, especially at the skill positions, is off to a pretty good start.
1: And, and I think what's, I've always said one of the best, there are two things that I think make Jim Chaney stand out as an offensive coordinator in a good way. Um, and there are two very, very important things. The first is that he is practical, he will take whatever he has and he will not try to fit it into his system. He will fit his system around what he has. That is so easy to say and much much harder to do because coaches are creatures of habit. They like the things they like and the way they like them the way they like them. And for a coach to be able to really tailor his system every year to whatever he has, uh, very few people have been able to beat people in as many different ways as Jim Chaney has beat people. He has put up just, you know, student body right and left offenses. He has put up throwing it 40, 45 times a game offenses, he has had balanced offenses, and he has had high-level success with all of them. So that's number one. And and number two, and I think this is sort of related to number one, but I think the reason he's so good at number one is uh, because he's also good at number two, which is he is able to explain things very, very simply. He is able to take very complex sort of thought processes and and, and schemes and, and gaps and things. And he's able to get them – get that information passed down to the players in a way they understand it. And that is something that's much harder to do in college than in the NFL because the NFL, you're usually the best of the best. Football is their only job. They don't have to worry about class. They know the game. That's their job. You know, they, they make their paycheck every week based on, well, this is such a, a schematically wild kind of game with, with wild differences week to week. They pick up things pretty quickly. College guys, it's more of a mixed bag. You don't know, and so and you're dealing with a lot of guys who who haven't learned a ton about football yet. They've always played it, but they don't really know a ton about it. Uh, they don't have that FBI naturally that a lot of the NFL guys have. So anyone who can explain things the way Cheney can helps, and I think that helps him do the first thing, which is the versatility. Because and, and Ty Chandler talked about it uh, the other day. I asked him a couple questions about, it, and he said, "Yeah," he said. He goes, I hadn't really thought about it exactly like that, but that's definitely true, is that – and these were his words. He said, Coach Cheney can explain anything to you in a way you can understand it. And he also keeps it light. And one thing that I thought was really important also, he talked about Cheney having positive energy all the time. And he said that doesn't mean you're not going to get yelled at. That doesn't mean that he's going to take it easy on you. But basically, if you do – he keeps that carrot dangled in front of you. If you do this, you're going to have success. And he's just a fun guy to be around. We've all been around Jim Chaney and know that even if he's getting after you, he's still – he. it's weird. He kind of has a positive energy about it. He keeps it light. He'll make funny jokes now and then. He's really self-deprecating. Uh, he takes fault when it's his fault to take. Uh, he's just a guy that players like. And I think that gives him a chance.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's that's one of the reasons he's always, always had productive offenses. But, yeah, th- this is going to be an interesting – uh, offense to watch throughout the year I, I'm, I'm not surprised to hear the the positive reviews on that group you know not surprised that things are going well that that Jim Chaney seems to be firmly in command of that group that Jeremy Pruitt has more trust seemingly in the offense overall yeah, he does. Uh, but with Jim Chaney running the show you know all that's probably to be expected but it is interesting that group seems to be ahead of the defense although again as we covered before the defensive line probably has something to do with that uh, just based on what we've seen from that group so far um, I guess on the other hand, on defense, there, there's still some questions to answer there outside of the defensive line, you know, the linebacker group, we're not seeing the full group out there, you know, Darren Kirkland's not out there right now, um, you know, J- hopefully,
1: hopefully he can get back. So. Yeah,
0: JJ Peterson's been banged up, so he's been held out of full contact stuff so far. Still needs to get in better shape. Still, man. you know, he's he's made progress there. He's slimmer, but yeah, clearly yes. still not a finished product from a conditioning and strength standpoint, especially. Um, and and then yeah, still learning quavarrus Crouch you know what can Tennessee get from him there is he definitely gonna stay at linebacker long term you know a lot a lot of questions there
1: yeah he, he has uh the what I've heard about Crouch is that the more people are on the field the more he starts kind of swimming mentally mm-hmm. and that's what you expect I mean he's
0: not for guys that played a lot of defense in the past yeah, yeah that's
1: I mean he's gonna take time no matter where he is just because physically he's a freak you know doesn't mean that that you know the you know if you're if you're if your mind isn't ready you know your feet are going to be slower. That you, you just you, you need to know where you're going to play fast. You can be fast, but you can't play fast until you know what you're doing. And and so this is going to be a huge few weeks for him. Maybe it'll maybe this is a good spring break time for him to sit there and you know kind of shut off a lot of other things and just kind of watch some of that film from practice and kind of figure out okay what am I what am I not picking up about this defense? What what am I not picking up about this position? What techniques? Uh, what calls am I not getting? So that, that's going to be interesting. And will they move him outside or will they keep him inside yeah. or, or will they say, screw it, we need another running back, and you're big and you can do that. So mm-hmm. a lot of stuff to to, to think about there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think they, they need a little bit more maybe. Uh, I think DeAndre Johnson's okay too. I think he's he, he's a solid player. I think they've got some guys who can do some things, but they do need a little more
0: there. Well, and, and what I was going to say is that the other two – Positions I'm kind of watching, and I, I said going into the spring, I thought they needed to find some way to get another edge rusher besides Daryl Taylor yes. to, to be productive there. And they seem to be pushing Jordan Allen pretty hard. They're, they're, he's gotten bigger. Yeah, they're, they're working really hard to see, you know, if he's maybe showing some signs of turning the corner at all, and, and, and maybe to see if they can sort of sort of get him ready to at least contribute this year. They really could use that. They need they need a second and third guy at that position besides Daryl Taylor at one of those outside spots to be able to get some pressure. Again, that's so key at every level of football these days. It's all about getting after the quarterback.
1: What's crazy is they list Jordan Allen at 250 pounds and he still doesn't look like it. No. I mean, that's what kind of athlete he is. He can carry 6'4, 250, really. Like, he looks more like he's 230. I mean, he just, he does. It's it's crazy how much, and he still moves like a guy who's about 230 pounds. So if they can figure out how to get, turn that into something dynamic. Yeah. Because his JUCO film, you could see it. There's special potential there. It's just, you know can, can it translate to this level.
0: There, yeah, there's there's definitely athleticism there. He he was he was a guy that played wide receiver, you know, coming out of high school, so that's not it's not surprising that he's still a work in progress, but they need him this year. You know, he, they took him knowing he's a three-year junior college player. Okay, year 1 didn't do much. Let's see if he can do something in year 2. They they really could use him. So I I'm, I'm watching that position the rest of the spring and then also maybe the most the, the least talked about position battle, but the one to me that's maybe as interesting as any as any on the field. Is it safety? I yeah. think I think Trayvon Flowers and Micah Aberneth or sorry, not Micah Aberneth, Micah Junior. Yeah, Micah Junior. There and Jalen McCullough looks a lot like him wearing the same number. Always kind of reminded me of him in the way he carries himself too. But
1: McCullough looks bigger than two hundred pounds too. I know yeah, they list him at that. He looks bigger.
0: Definitely in in the box safety, I think long term. But but because of the things he can do, the way he processes things and learns so quickly, smart. I, I think he's got a chance to play as a freshman. So that that battle between McCullough and and maybe Flowers primarily right now that safety, alongside Nigel Warrior, you know, especially because Warrior's not been out there every single rep so far this spring. Those those guys have gotten those guys have gotten a lot of reps, and you know, can they make the most of it this spring? And can someone emerge the favorite? You know, I, I probably thought Flowers going in was the favorite, but McCullough's got every every opportunity to play his way into that spot. So I'll, I'll be and watching. And also,
1: what's going on with Theo Jackson? There is he a guy who's yeah. going to play himself? I mean, I think if we're all being honest, Theo Jackson was one of the more disappointing guys on the roster last year. He just did not have a good year. I, I think. You know, you don't want to single anybody out in the ultimate team sport, which football is. It's not my favorite sport, but it's the ultimate team sport, and I respect that. And I think Theo Jackson just didn't have a very good year. I mean, there were times where he looked, I don't want to say disinterested, but kind of confused or listless or, you know, he needs to play better if he wants to play. If he wants to be a part of this thing with all the guys they've got coming in and, you know, this is a time for him to do it. Or else he's going to be in trouble. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I think as long as, and I might be, I might be wrong about this, Ryan, but I think is they they will feel okay about the safety position. I think unless you see something like Alante Taylor lining up there occasionally in practice, if they're doing some kind of contingency plan like that, then I think maybe you start to be concerned a little bit because uh, it's one thing if you know you you have those guys play a little bit with the safeties in practice because you want them to work on their nickel skills and all that stuff. You know, I think Alante's moved around a little bit for mm-hmm. that reason. But as long as they don't do something like, okay, Thompson and Buchanan are, are really good at corner, let's see if maybe a guy like Taylor could help the safety position. If, yeah. if, as, long, as long as if they do that, that won't be a panic move, but it would show me that they're really concerned about who's going to play next to Nigel Warrior. Yeah. So as long as – until that happens, I'll feel like they think someone's going to emerge there alongside Warrior.
0: That's a good point, and, and I – I also would keep an eye on McCullough as a, as an option at nickel. You know, it might it may may seem yeah. counterintuitive since he's sort of an in the box safety, but I think he's getting enough enough reps there that he still could be a, a, in the mix at nickel. And
1: if you're smart enough to overcome it, then yeah. yeah.
0: And and guys like uh, you know, Bailey Buchanan's going to have to fight off some people. They've got more competition in the secondary this year. If he's going to be that primary nickel again, he's at least going to face more competition for that job this year.
1: And Kenneth George is back out there at yeah. corner, having a full off season. And he's a guy who athletically is interesting. I Yeah,
0: think. absolutely. So so they've got they've got some options there. So those are those are the kinds of problems you'd like to be dealing with this time of year. You you much prefer that over what they have on the defensive line, which is a lot of options, but just not a lot of guys who've emerged so far, and and more questions than answers.
1: I still like the long term for Mincy and for Garland though, and mm-hmm. I think especially you know Garland might have a little more upside, may, maybe, but but Mincy's a guy who is just so country mean and tough that yeah. you know it, it's he just if he gets in better shape because you can still tell last year he was always near the near the end and some of the conditioning drills and they were. You know, he was the guy who – he would be he would be late coming back from the up and backs. So, Rocker would make the whole group run again and they'd be trying to push Mincy to move forward. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he, you could tell that if he can get in shape that, that he's got a chance. Um, and, and I think it's going to come down to – I don't want to put it on one person, but there is – it is so, so important for Emmett Gooden to be good. It is so, so important for them to be able to stick him at nose and feel like he can hang because that just gives you so many more – that gives you at least a little, maybe a few more minutes of sleep at night, knowing that he could that he can hang in there. Because if he can't, and he's just, and they're just getting blown off the ball, there they're in trouble.
0: Yeah, it's uh yeah, they've still got a lot to figure out there, and and you know a lot to watch over these last uh, last three full weeks of spring practice. Uh, it's going to be a, a packed three full weeks because they've got four practices squeezed into next week's schedule. Yeah. Uh, with the way they had to to sort of arrange this year's schedule, starting the with a week and a half before spring practice. So four practices next week, three each of the final two weeks. So a lot to, a lot they need to get out of those practices. And, and obviously a lot of that's on the defensive side of the ball, but questions all around still. Uh, before we
1: get out of here, Ryan, uh, anything I know that right now there's so much going on with basketball and with football that – you know recruiting never sleeps, but it seems like this is one of perhaps one of the quieter times in that in that in that recruiting calendar. But there's always recruiting going on. We know Jeremy Pruitt loves this stuff. He misses in a in, in a weird way. He misses. You know, I asked I asked him again recently what he missed about being a head coach and or or what he missed about being an assistant coach now that he was a head coach. And he said again, he goes, I miss going out on the road in the spring. He's yeah. like, bro, you get to stay home now. Like that's that's good, right? He goes, man I like going out and recruiting so I mean that's just how he is which is good for the Tennessee program that he loves this stuff but you know it's he's always going to recruit and there's got to be some stuff going on right
0: now oh yeah there's plenty and it's an important time of year because you're trying to get guys on campus they've already gotten a lot on campus throughout you know junior days the first week and a half of spring practice they have got plenty more visits coming up that they that they need to get you know guys on campus over the next few weeks uh during spring practice but with this being spring break you know it's a it's a time for not many visits and things like that going on right now. Players are away, so it's not an ideal time for that. So things have sort of been quiet this week, but it'll pick back up next week once practice starts again. again. Uh, one of the big storylines, obviously, to watch right now has been R- Rakeem Jarrett, a five-star wide receiver from up in the D.C. area. He visited Tennessee. Uh, what up, D.C.? Yeah, vis- visited Tennessee. Uh, I guess by the time this podcast comes out, it'll be about two weeks ago that he visited Tennessee. and it was a it was a really good first visit for Tennessee enough that they're right there in the mix and and he's talked about making a decision fairly soon we'll see if that plan sticks with all you know,
1: those senior receivers at tennessee
0: there's a there's an opportunity there and someone's going to take advantage of it i think it's going to help them get you know some good receivers in this class it's just a matter of who when and they
1: say like listen there's four senior wide receivers on this team
0: and so. and you got t martin you're know, recruiting that group now i think that the stars have aligned for this to be a, a pretty good wide receiver class or it certainly has a chance to be and, and yeah rakeem jarrett we'll see if they can get him but he's he says he's going to visit Eight more SEC schools, or not eight more, but eight SEC schools during a spring break starting this weekend. And Tennessee, Tennessee is one of them. So making a second trip uh, to Tennessee next weekend for another another visit. He's talked about a decision possibly coming soon. We'll see if that sticks. But as of right now, Tennessee won will the... he be
1: visiting during Tennessee's spring break? Because that would be no, the... no.
0: It's it's next weekend. Okay, during good, when good, they're good. back on the practice field by that point, so yeah, the, it works out well, and, and Tennessee will get another visit from him. It looks like so. Still Alabama in the mix, you know, Clemson, Georgia is look, looks like maybe the other main contender with with Tennessee at the moment. You know, there, there's there's a handful of teams that still have a real shot. If Prude were, and
1: Kirby, two BFFs going against yeah, each other.
0: If he's to make an early decision, you know, it certainly looks like Tennessee has a real shot, but we'll see if he sticks to that plan and we'll see what happens with these eight visits coming up Alabama is certainly looming as a threat you know lots to figure out with this one over the next uh 10 days or so so you know you
1: know I got a soft spot for the beltway guys my wife's a DC girl I got a I got a I got a I got a soft spot for the beltway peeps
0: yeah and this is uh Tennessee can get players from there they've had some success up there and uh you know not not lately with guys who've panned out to be you know stars necessarily but they've they've gotten some guys there going back to DeAndre Payne you know five or six years ago so they've They've been able to get some commitments from higher-ranked yep. players up there, and, and this is another one they've got a shot at. So uh, definitely one worth watching over the next couple of weeks to see if anything happens there uh, with an early decision and to see if if Tennessee does indeed get him back on campus next weekend. But that's that's kind of been one of the big stories lately, but obviously a lot of visits coming up over the next few weeks that I think by the end of spring practice we will start to get a better feel of some of the guys they really have a shot for in this class.
1: Uh, is there anything else in terms of, of guys that might be coming in, guys that – I know as we've said all the time most of the uh, most of the the primo recruiting stuff is going behind the paywall because you need to pay us real american dollars for that information but uh, or other currencies, we would probably accept euros and everything. We're not picky. We can we can go to the bank and transfer it over. But uh, if uh, is there anything else out there that is of note? I know the the Jarrett thing was the big news, but yeah, anything else?
0: Well, another recent visit I think is worth worth uh, keeping an eye on at least uh, in the big picture is Haynes King, the four star quarterback who visited a, a, about a week and a half ago. The fact that Tennessee's two last names. Yeah <laughs> the 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 fact that he. You know, got got on on campus uh, at Tennessee after after getting that offer on the very day the the news of Jim Chaney's hiring started to leak at Tennessee. Um, the the fact that that he made the trip to Tennessee, I think, shows they're at least in the in the mix. Although he did go back to Auburn recently for the second time. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of schools in the mix for him. His his stock has risen quite a bit this spring. He's one to keep an eye on. But in the big picture, what that tells us is Tennessee really open to taking two quarterbacks in this class. So. We'll see if they, who they can get if they go that route, but it does look like it's a real possibility that if they can get someone they like, maybe someone who's not identical to Harrison Bailey in style, someone who can run a little bit more, if they can get someone else like that in this class, they're very open to the idea of taking a second quarterback. So I think that's definitely a situation worth watching and, and something to keep an eye on, certainly as coaches get out on the road next uh, next month for the spring evaluation period. Do we see more offers go out there? Do other options come into play? They, they, they definitely have some interest at quarterback. I think that Haynes-King visit is kind of the, the indication that they really are uh, maybe not finished there, even though they have Harrison Bailey as the star of this class right now.
1: I think that's a pretty good place to leave it off. Guys, thanks for tuning in this week. Uh, there, there's a lot going on here right now. It's a, there's a it's a busy time of the year with a lot of stuff going on, so we're going to try to keep you informed with all of that. Uh, as always, you can find all of us on Social media. Uh, I'm Wes Rucker 24 seven on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24 seven on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P Brown 24 seven on Twitter. And Grant Ramey, not the team player, is just Grant Ramey on Twitter because he doesn't want Grant Ramey 24 seven. Apparently, I don't know why, but. He's just, it's just how he rolls, I suppose. Uh, you can find all of us on social media at twitter.com slash 24 247 and on our uh, very excellent Facebook page, which I think we've done a lot of work on and we're very proud of it. You can go to facebook.com slash 24 247 there. we got a great Facebook team who's doing lots of great stuff for us there. Or if you want to go drink water directly from the hose, you can go to... Uh, govals 247com where we've always got lots of good specials going on. Uh, you can always get a, a you know, seven-day free trial. There's always all kinds of good deals you can get there with all the information. Uh, so we have lots of free information, so you can just sign up for the site without paying, and you can get some good stuff, or you can go and uh, you can get all of it uh, if you pay us a real low fund of American dollars per month. It's it's less than one mediocre lunch per month. I said this all the time. For less than one mediocre lunch per month, you can get all of the news from twenty four seven on on football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, baseball, uh, Lady Vols basketball, softball, everything, everything. We have all of it, all of it there. And this is normally Patch Job, but he's out. So, Ryan, do you have any final thoughts? Nope.